98.7 FM. FM, Arizona's sports station. Are you sitting comfortably? Yeah. Then I'll begin. Okay, here we go. Arizona sports goes local. Local. That is awesome. We're giving the mic to local hosts right here in Phoenix. Whoa, snap. Because what's a Saturday without sports? Nothing matters but the weekend. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station, Arizona Sports Saturday. And a happy Saturday to all of you out there listening across the valley, across the country. It is the only live and local sports station here in Arizona on your weekend. It is Arizona Sports Saturday, live from the Ak Chin Community Studios. Mitch Vareld is here. Steve Zinsmeister is not, so I had to call an audible today and thank my stars and garters, or however this expression goes. Good old Zach Larson was kind enough to stick around after doing two hours with Kevin McCabe to do another two hours with me, so hopefully I don't scare you off or anything like that. I I don't think you'll scare me off. Don't worry. I'm I'm a pretty tough, tough man. You're a tough cookie? Yeah, tough cookie. You'll hang in there? Well, Trevor Henry's going to keep us in shape. He's back behind the glass. He's going to keep us in check for the next two hours. Right, Trev? Well, you know I'm always here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here because I need to be here, because I'm supposed to be here. Um, Speaking of people that were supposed to be here, uh, specifically to the Cardinals, that's going to be a lot of discussion that we have today, is all Arizona Cardinals stuff, because this was the first week of training camp. Training camp will continue for the next couple of weeks. We're going to have actually exciting news for the show. This Saturday show, Steve and I are going to be out at State Farm Stadium next Saturday doing a live broadcast from Cardinals training camp. So really exciting stuff that we're looking forward to. Won't be able to catch any practice. Uh, We've already been told that we won't be able to talk to anybody, unfortunately. However... We get to be there. That's exciting. Exciting yeah. stuff. Also really excited that Rodney Hudson is going to play football this season. Not going to lie. It was it was honestly bigger than the Kyler Murray contract extension news, I think, this offseason. I... See, that's the thing. The national media is wanting you to believe this Kyler contract debacle is the big story. But definitely for local fans, everybody knows the value that Rodney Hudson brings to the table. Mm-hmm. And everybody was on the edge of their seat waiting to hear what he was going to decide, whether he was going to play this season or retire. So to reset, for those of you that are not aware, Rodney Hudson did not show up to mandatory minicamp, emphasis on mandatory. And all we knew at the time from head coach Cliff Kingsbury was that it was an unexcused absence and he wouldn't say anything more on that. Eventually some, I think it was Kelvin Beecham actually on Wolf and Luke that very same day hinted at the idea that he had just had a newborn and you know he was considering all of his options which is fair to do at his age but Rodney Hudson is back and yesterday he spoke with the media about his off season. I think just like any other season, uh, you know, you play play the games. Unfortunately, our last game ended the way it did. Uh, take some time off, spend some time with my family. Uh, you know, I think in this sport, we all say, uh, you know. Family comes before football, but that's somewhat untrue. I know in my world, you know, you go to work all day, 10 hours, you get home, your kids go to sleep in two hours. So I think, you know, starts off season, I just went home, spent some time with my family, uh, tried to heal up, recover, and, and go from there. And look, none of us are going to blame Rodney for taking the time that he did, but 
in the moment, it was a little bit scary because you invested so much in this top five center the year before. And here you are wondering if you're going to have to go searching for another center again. Yeah, and I mean, he's a three-time Pro Bowler. He came from Oakland, and that's really where he started turning heads. And once he got traded to Arizona, that was the sleeper trade everybody predicted last season. And it turned out really well for them. They went 9-3 right. and three with him on the field. And Kyler and him, in year one, it didn't look like there was a lot of miscommunication between the two. No. The chemistry was kind of already there. So, yeah, having him on the edge of retiring or potentially sitting out this upcoming season it definitely for not only for the organization but everybody involved they were they were scared that there was going to have to be a new answer for a starting center right i mean i think the people in the organization that knew what was going on with rodney they knew they weren't going to you know blurt it to the public or anything because they didn't want to assume what he was going to decide to do but you have to imagine the teammates that didn't know what was going on they're thinking oh well Shoot, what are we going to do? This is a pivotal cog in this entire offense. So Rodney was asked, how close was he actually to retiring? I, I mean, I don't know. I don't have a meter, so to speak. But, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, just like any other player, any other job, your job, you know, as you get older in your in your uh, profession, uh, you know, it's, it's a thought, you know. Uh, like I said, you know, you spend a lot of time away from your family, your loved ones. Uh, so those, those things, I think, at my age, you at least start to think about them. So uh went from now, but, you know, that's behind me now and we move forward. So, look, do we blame him if he decides to retire based off of what he says? No. No. Do we blame him if he retires but we don't get a final word on it? See, I don't know because you understand all of the factors that go into play – and obviously, as fans of the Cardinals, we want to see the most successful team on the field. But, like, can you get mad at a guy for the job that he does on a day-in, day-out that he wants to spend time with his family? No, I don't think he can. No, you can't. I, I Again, he's been in the league for 11 years now, and he really has had – it's not a Hall of Fame career, but he's been a, stall, a solid center, and he's one of the, I would argue, the top five centers in the league. 100%. So – Fans are obviously going to be very upset, but at the end of the day, I mean, it's more than football. It's it's the family. Again, you hear him talk about how much he misses being able to see his, his family, his kids. He wants to spend that family time. So like Larry Fitzgerald, who would take a whole just would avoid any football during the offseason to heal and recover. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that was going through Rodney's head as well, just trying to get his body back and heal. And now he's he's back, and he should be pretty much 100% to go once the season begins. I just hope with Rodney it doesn't become what it was for the last few years of Fitz where we're all waiting on the edge of our seats around right. the Super Bowl like oh did he sign his one year 11 million dollar extension did he do it is he coming back I don't know I'll tell you who was happy that he was back was his running back James Conner when I seen Rodney I just gave him a big hug said thank you <laughs> um, yeah I'm just ec uh, ecstatic that Rodney came back and um we're all mission driven, you know. We got one mission, and um, I know that's why Ronnie came back. You know, he feel that we're capable. We got a great team, so uh, yeah, he man in the middle. You know, he's touching the ball every play, and uh, just the OG veteran. Now, I think what's kind of overlooked when it comes to Rodney Hudson's return, I get it. He 
hikes the ball to the quarterback. He's responsible for being the man in the middle protecting the quarterback, helping make sure that the offensive line stays set to protect the quarterback, etc., etc. The running back stands behind the quarterback, too. Right, like he is just as reliant on a successful center as anybody else that is a part of that offense. So, for us to hear James Conner's elation for Rodney Hudson's return is a important reminder that Rodney does more than just set up the quarterback for success. He sets up the other nine guys as well on the offense. Well, yeah, and he's definitely... I know everyone wants to question Kyler's leadership. I think Rodney is that guy in the locker room that carries the weight for that leadership role, especially on the offensive line that in recent years has just been so in and out. You don't know who's along those those five starting offensive they're, linemen. They're still trying to figure that exactly. out this So, yeah, Rodney's a big part of that offensive line, and yeah, I mean, you got to give love to, to the guy who, for Kyler, too, He's the second set of eyes on that offense. He he is one of the most intelligent players on that offense that mm-hmm. can read a defense, and he's studying the game film as well. So he is such an integral part of this offensive line. And I don't blame James Conner. If if I were him, I would give him a hug too. If oh, one hundred percent. Once he come or once he came back, I'm so. sure Rodney Hudson gives great hugs too. Oh yeah, like the the big man hugs. You got to love those. They'll just break your back, especially when you need that good old back crack. It feels good. It feels good. It felt good for Cliff Kingsbury, too, because he was asked how concerned he was if Rodney was not going to return. Yeah, I mean, we, we were concerned simply because we knew he was taking a look at it. You know, um, we had discussed, hey, we understand, take your time. Just had a, a child and um, just wanted to see how his body responded to the time off. And, and that's really what he was focusing on. And we were all good with that. Even when as far as to say that the uh, front office held group prayers for Rodney. Yeah, there was like we held group prayers at the office for him. Um, we, we just saw the production um, that we had when he was healthy last year and, and how we were rolling offensively and that how um, he was just able to calm the entire unit and get us in the right looks all the time. He's, he's a big part of the success we had early on and then he obviously got banged up, but um, he's, a, he's a big time player for us. Now, thankfully, the Cardinals don't have to worry about who's going to play center anymore, but Thankfully, there were some pretty solid veteran options that were still on the market should they have needed to make a move. Like J.C. Treader, the Browns' former center, was out there. He would have been a fantastic plug option. But I think having Rodney back is much better to what the Cardinals are trying to do with this offense, and it helps keep that consistency there, especially for Kyler Murray. Yeah, and I think they're also going off of some of the other players on the offense, like James Conner, A.J. Green, who are going into year two, and they're hoping the chemistry is there. They get more familiar with the offense, and it can explode even more than it did in the first half of the last season. So, yeah, having that consistency for your starting, your franchise quarterback, for your offense, it's it's big. And Rodney coming back uh, was definitely a big sigh of relief for the Cardinals. We'll get into a lot more Cardinals discussions today. Of course, we mandatorily have to talk about the addendum in Kyler Murray's contract. We'll do that a little bit later. But coming up next, we're going to talk Phoenix Suns because they are still in the meat of this offseason. How much time do they have left to convince Brooklyn to trade them Kevin Durant? Maybe not a lot. That's next on Arizona Sports Saturday. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Arizona Sports Saturday. Where is he going? What? What's? I mean, we we see teams dropping every day. Phoenix is out. Miami is out. Toronto is out. What's the deal to be made? 
Did you catch that? I, I, I heard it. Oh. I heard Phoenix in there. I heard you Phoenix. heard Phoenix. I, I heard Phoenix I I too. Heard Phoenix. I also heard Miami, hmm. which were the two top destinations. I also also heard Chris Broussard. Who, if you didn't know who that was, that was what Chris Broussard said on First Things First yesterday. Mitch Vareldis, Zach Larson filling in for Steve Zinsmeister today. Trevor Henry behind the glass, keeping you company on this Arizona Sports Saturday. And it was said. It was said slow enough so you can understand, but it was said fast enough where if you're not paying attention, you completely missed it. Now, do we take this with a grain of salt? Like, how do we, how do we interpret Chris Broussard going on Fox Sports television and saying that the Phoenix Suns are out of the trade race for Kevin Durant? I think that he doesn't have like an actual source telling him this. I think he's okay. just assuming based off certain moves. And I think the biggest one being DeAndre Ayton mm. being offered or signing to a, a max contract with the Suns. Right. I think that kind of was a signal that a trade with the Suns might just, there might not be a package good enough from the Phoenix Suns to the Brooklyn Nets. Well, let's be real. What was the biggest converse or what was the biggest piece that we had talked about leading into the Kevin Durant discussions and then now leading out of the Durant discussions because Aiton signed. It was DeAndre Aiton. But then there's a wrench that got thrown into this whole mess when Gamble had reported the day of the trade request report that the Nets had no interest in DeAndre Aiton. Right. And then the discussion became, okay, so how many teams can we get into this? What is going to be required out of us? Which teams can offer what? What do the Suns need to give up? What should and shouldn't they give up? It's it's made the process very complicated, I'll give it that, but to say that the Suns are completely out of it when Kevin Durant wants to come to Phoenix, I don't think that's fair to say. More so, I don't think it's fair to assume the Suns are out of it when there's no one else really putting it out there in true reporting that the Suns are completely out of it. Sham Sharania mentioned that it's a lot tougher in his recent report, but I'm I'm not inclined to believe that the Suns are out of it until they're truly out of it. Yeah, and I, I think also my question to if the Phoenix, Phoenix Suns are out of it, are we just saying within this specific time window before this upcoming season? Because there is still a chance that once they get to January, DeAndre Ayton is tradable, and maybe you can look into one of those big massive three-team, four-team trades to send him away and then get Kevin Durant from Brooklyn. So, if if we're starting to say, like, Phoenix is out of it, if we're saying Miami is out of it, are we really start... I think we're starting to get down the road of Brooklyn's just going to hold on to Kevin Durant and... I mean, if if again, if they get to the trade deadline this upcoming season and Kevin Durant still wants to get out of Brooklyn, if he's yeah. not moved before this season, then I think you do have to relook at, okay, is Phoenix still in the mix of it? Is Miami still in it? And Adrian Wojnarowski from ESPN earlier in the week still emphasized that Durant doesn't want to play for Brooklyn still. He's still holding for that trade. He has not backed off that trade request he made uh, going on four weeks now. And so certainly Brooklyn has continued to try to find trades for Durant. Uh, but listen, in a perfect world, the Nets would love to keep Kevin Durant and pair him with Kyrie Irving uh, and the <clears throat> and see what it all looks like with Ben Simmons next season. Uh, but Kevin Durant, that trade request, 
trust remains in place. Like, I think that, to Woj's report, that might be Brooklyn's best bargaining chip right now is, okay, we gave in to James, we gave you James Harden, we gave in to James Harden and traded him away, but we still got a good asset return in Ben Simmons, former Rookie of the Year, former All-Star. Like, Brooklyn's best chance is to convince Kevin Durant to stay because we brought back your buddy Kyrie, or he opted back in, I should phrase it properly. We still got Ben Simmons, which is a guy you've not gotten to work with yet in full capacity. And they're going to get Joe Harris back off of IL. Like, Brooklyn, on the optics, is not going to be a bad basketball team next year. I think, if anything, it's just Kevin Durant wants to go somewhere else. Yeah, and I think you, you hit the nail on the head. Brooklyn is a solid team, but they're not. I don't think they're they're suited right now to win a championship in the East. I don't no. think they're one of the top contenders. So yes, that's why Kevin Durant he wants to play for a team that that's got a chance to win it all. And Phoenix and Miami, the top two seeds this past season, they're obviously very likable destinations for the the. Uh, I think he's seven foot, or is he? He's. He's tall. He's tall. You're, yeah, he's you're referring tall. to Victor yeah. Wembanyama. Yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> he's, the French he's wonder a tall guy. Yeah, and especially for for Phoenix, where there's I wouldn't say there's a whole lot of height, and there's besides DeAndre Ayton, there's not a lot of depth mm-hmm. for the height on on the roster. So yeah, I I think it would be nice to see Kevin Durant come to Phoenix, but it, it's just right now all the chips are in the Brooklyn Nets in their front office. They have all the control right now. They've got a hand of cards and they're trying to figure out should we go all in and keep this up or should we fold and sell off what is probably our best asset. Yeah. In reality, whatever Brooklyn does will decide, you know, Kevin Durant's future. He's still under contract for 4 years. I don't I think that gets talked about enough, but it has to be a reminder. He's under contract for four more years, an extension he just signed last offseason. Also, to your point about Brooklyn not being a uh, finals contender or in the running to be the finals champion, wasn't that the reason why they got Kevin Durant in the first exactly, place? Exactly, yeah. Was to go win a championship? Because this super team with Kyrie Irving, and I think DeAndre Jordan was part of that mix, too. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be that big team, but unfortunately, due to, especially last season, when you had Kyrie Irving for half of the games, and then James Harden was inconsistent. He wasn't playing up to the level that everybody was expecting. He wasn't trying. Exactly. He quit. It was, he it quit. was just it was a mess, and they got exposed in the playoffs getting swept by Milwaukee or so, Boston. So what would lead Chris Broussard to say that Phoenix is out? It probably stems from a report that came from last week from our own John Gambadoro emphasizing that the Celtics are big players. That really caught national attention on Monday when Shams Rania put out his report that the Celtics had offered a package for Durant, and that package included Jalen Brown. Well, get this. Jason Tatum, Brown's teammate and leader of this current Celtics squad, was caught outside the movie premiere for Point Gods, which, to tie multiple things together, is a film that is produced by Boardroom, which is a company that is owned by Kevin Durant. So anyway, Tatum was asked on the idea of playing with Kevin Durant. I mean, I played with him during the Olympics, obviously. It's a great player. That's not my decision. You know, uh, I love our team. I love the guys that we got. Uh, I don't know if that report is true or not. 
but emphasized that he doesn't make anything of the rumors at all. I don't make anything of it. I just play basketball. It's, they were at yeah. the same premiere. It's <laughs> this stuff happens, right? Yeah, I just I I think it would be a bad move on the Celtics part because you just I obviously getting Kevin Durant is going to be a big boost to not only your team's confidence but to your team's play. Mm-hmm. But why get rid of a young player that we saw really stand out in the playoffs with Jalen Brown? I th- I think the Boston they they were in the finals last season and were so close to winning it. They just ran into a really good Warriors team. Why try to get rid of all that talent and go for Kevin Durant, who maybe for two years, two, three, four years, maybe he's playing, and you win a couple titles, but then afterwards, your entire future is just, it's its all over. Okay, do you want your comparable example? I know where you're going. <laughs> Would you this. give up Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson and anybody else in order to get Kevin Durant here in Phoenix? Me, personally, I wouldn't. I would not. Okay, where's your line? Do you, do you want Kevin Durant in Phoenix? Me personally, I I do not want Kevin really at, at this point at okay. this point because you have DeAndre Ayton locked down for four years, right? Sure. You, ha- you have Mikel Bridges, who was almost a defensive player of the year this season, mm-hmm. and he's going to evolve defensively. He's going to t- continue to get better, but his offensive game, he's going to start getting better. And once Chris Paul retires, you're going to have a three headed beast with. Booker, Aiton, and Bridges. And then if you get Cam Johnson to continue to grow as a three-point shooter and as an athlete on the bench, you're looking at a solid three-team or three-headed beast with a guy off the bench who could nail clutch three-pointers whenever you need him to. That's my personal belief. I feel like that team can compete for or for championships for five to seven years. I would give that window if you keep this young core right now. I hear you. In general, my personal belief is if Kevin Durant wants to come to your team, you You'll go just get Kevin get whatever, you yeah. go get Kevin Durant. That's my personal belief. Coming up next, we've waited as long as we could. Kyler Murray has had one hell of a week. Literally. We were supposed to be celebrating and instead somebody crashed the party. We'll get into it next on Arizona Sports Saturday. <laughs> 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. It's Arizona Sports Saturday. To think that I can accomplish everything that I've accomplished in my career um, and not be a student of the game and not um, not not have that passion and not, not take this serious is, is almost, it's disrespectful and it's, it's, almost, it's, it's almost a joke, you know. Um, it's, to me, it's, um, I'm flattered, you know, I'm, I'm honestly flattered that y'all think that at my size I can go out there and not prepare for the game and not, um, you know, not take it serious. That, of course, is the voice of Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray, who surprised the media, surprised the fans, surprised almost everybody speaking on Thursday. He was not scheduled to speak during this week of training camp. Welcome back into Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch Veraldis, Zach Larson in for Steve Zinsmeister today. Trevor Henry behind the glass with the great tunes, as always. So, I want to get the disclaimer out now. I know. You are so tired of hearing about this independent study clause story. I know. 
I'm tired of talking about it, to be honest. I don't know how you feel, Zach. It's it, it's getting exhausting. This story keeps getting legs every day. Yes. And when we think we're done, it's what's the Pacino saying? Just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in. Well, guess what? The Cardinals keep pulling me back into this story. Yeah. Why? I wish I wish I had an answer for that, but I look, if we had answers to just about everything, we wouldn't have any yeah. more questions about anything. So here's what we know. Kyler Murray signs this extension last Thursday. Press conference Friday. Everything's hunky-dory. We're all great. Quarterback is signed. Rodney Hudson's going to be back. There is nothing to worry about as we head into training camp next week. Monday rolls around. Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network tweets out this unique independent study clause, as it is termed, in Kyler Murray's contract. Fast forward a couple more days. A lot of flack about this independent study clause. Whether you blame the organization, whether you blame Kyler, it doesn't matter. There's a lot of blame being tossed around about this. Thursday, Kyler Murray takes the microphone and defends himself against this independent study clause, against those who criticize his work ethic, etc., etc., And then later that same Thursday, Ian Rappaport comes out again and says the clause has been removed. Great timeline. Yeah. Let me me put it this way. It's been a wild week. What the hell? First to the Cardinals, what the hell were you thinking putting it in there in the first place? Why is this a necessity for the guy that you're paying $230 million? Why is this a necessity for a guy who's accomplished everything that Kyler Murray has accomplished? Do you either not trust him with the money that you're giving him? Or do you not trust him with the responsibilities of running your football team's offense? I think think a big part of this is they don't trust his study habits at the second half of the season. That's, That's what this whole clause was supposed to to emphasize is that when they get into the second half of of the NFL season, the Cardinals drop off and so does Kyler Murray's play. Now, is it entirely on Murray? No. There's a lot of problems on that offense when they get to week 10, week 11, week 12, and so on. Apparently when Call of Duty releases every year. Well, yeah, there's there's that too. And I I mean, unfortunately, yeah, we have to admit the facts. Yeah, Kyler probably takes his attention off football a little bit too much and okay. goes to the to the in, video game. In fairness to him, because you and I are both in our twenties. Yes. Recently out of college, you know, we play video games outside of work. Oh, very often. Yes. Exactly. So I get it. This guy is paid a ton of money to lead an entire football team's offense, but he's still in his mid twenties. Still plays video games. You see his Twitch streams, he's playing yeah. whatever the heck is on top of these days. Like to get mad at him over the video game thing, I understand, but like he's still a kid, right? Yeah, but you are at the NFL level now. 
And for Kyler, he's gone through high school. He's gone, like, elementary school, everything. He's been the best. He's right. been amazing. And he hasn't had to put in a whole lot of work because he's just that talented. Mm-hmm. He gets through college, and college, it's not as hard as the NFL, but, it, you know, it's still difficult, and he still succeeds. But he doesn't win a, a championship. He gets to the semifinals against Alabama and loses. Mm-hmm. Now you get to the NFL level where it's the elite of the elite playing on the field. And teams are going to take every week as serious as possible. And yeah, at the beginning of the season, you've had all all offseason to, to work on your craft, to come up with your playbook and your game plan, and you look really good. But once you start thinking, okay, we it's been working so far. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, once they get to that second half of the season, it gets broke and they don't fix it. That's clearly what's been happening these past couple seasons. And I think this study clause is trying to say, okay, we evaluated at the end of the season what's been going on in the second half of the season. This is one thing we need to address and we're going to put it in this contract. I just think it's funny that okay, this was the correct move. Not to put it in there. The correct move was to take it out altogether. But it was also the correct move to never put it in there in the first place, right. so we're not having this frustrating conversation about this. The Cardinals did right by taking it out because they're the ones that put it in. But it didn't need to be put in. If you're giving him that much money, you would think that the faith is already there in this guy to lead your football team. And yes, the ends of the seasons have sucked in the Kingsbury-Murray era. And they need to get better. Yes. Because the starts of the season, as much as they want to talk about, like, that's the football team that we put together, is that team that starts 10-2. and two. Well, they also finish 1-4 and four and then get swatted out of the playoffs in the first round. Yeah. And I, I think also to that point, you look at, at Kyler, right? Mm-hmm. He's... In this situation... I think he needed to look over that contract a couple times because I think that clause could have been agreed to. And like if even if Kyler was was okay with that study clause, which he was since he signed that contract, Mm -hmm. you could have agreed to that outside of the writing. You could have talked to Bidwell and and said, hey, you know what? If you want to give me this tablet four hours a week, I promise I'll watch through all the film. I'll I'll go through the game plan. Right. Do that. You don't have to put it in writing. But. At the same time, you wrote your name on that dotted line. Mm-hmm. You agreed to that contract. Look, it's like me with the iTunes terms and conditions. I don't read it. Right. I'm not expecting but, anything silly to the, be in there. But this is $230.5 million. True. Now, I'm not blaming it entirely on Kyler for that purpose. I'm putting Eric Burkhart especially responsible for that. Okay, so you blame the agent then. I blame him because okay. I understand this entire offseason from that wild card game, the, the future of Kyler has been up for debate. Mm-hmm. Once you finally got that offer for five years, $230.5 million, if I'm Eric Burkhart, I don't just say, all right, we're all good. You know, we'll sign this. That it's it's all the money. We're all good. Yeah, I would study that. It's ironic. We use the the study. We clause, use the term study to go over they, the contract and but, they, yeah, exactly. So, I would be looking through every single word of that contract. I mean, this is life changing money for Kyler. And if you mm-hmm. don't look through every single word and and that clause is in there, 
I I think I think that's big on Eric Burkhart, and I get I agree it's bad on the Cardinals to put that in because yeah you need to have trust in your quarterback he's gonna lead the franchise you don't need to try to humiliate like him like that look the trust factor is already written on the paycheck right if they didn't want to keep him they didn't have to extend him. They didn't have to give him his fifth-year option. They didn't have to give him what is now the second-largest contract for a quarterback in NFL history. They didn't have to do any of that. Yep. And instead, they like they were already winning, and then they took more chips and they put more money down, and then they realized that they look like an idiot because they're just going to win their money back. Like It makes no difference. They put a certain amount out there, and then they think, oh, let's put more in because then we'll win more. It's like, no, you're just getting your own money back in the poker yep. game. Nothing's changed. In general, this was a bad look. It was supposed to be a great week. This was one of the top things that the Cardinals had to figure out this offseason was this guy's contract, and he got it. Yep. And then they put egg on their face by putting this clause in there. And to think that, what, did they think that it wouldn't get fined or found, I should say? Well, I mean, I think there's a good possibility, too, that someone within the Cardinals might have leaked this to to Rappaport. Because I think overall... All that this clause was supposed to do was to teach Kyler a lesson about, or at least from the Cardinals' perspective, hey, we need you to really be 100% in throughout the entire season, throughout the playoffs, throughout all the way to the Super Bowl. You need to be committed 100%. And I think that's what Bidwell was trying to do, putting that clause in there, and ultimately I think that's why it blew up in Kyler's face. It definitely blew up in a lot of people's faces. Coming up next... We're going to audible because, Zach, I got called out on Twitter today. Okay. Not often I do, but when I get called out by Lorenzo Alexander because he's got some stuff on his mind on the Cardinals, you say yes. Lorenzo Alexander is going to join us next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports goes local. It's Arizona Sports Saturday, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Mitch Ferreldis, Zach Larson filling in for Steve Zinsmeister today, Trevor Henry behind the glass. Today is the first open to the public training camp day for the Arizona Cardinals at State Farm Stadium. And I'm seeing a lovely tweet of Zoe with his kiddos heading over to training camp practice. Speaking of Zoe, Lorenzo Alexander, two-time Pro Bowl linebacker and former Arizona Cardinal. He wanted to talk shop. He wanted to talk Cardinal. So I said, absolutely. So here he is joining us on the 72-sold sports line. What's up, Zoe? Fellas, what's going on? I'm actually doing pretty good. As you said, I'm sitting out here in the parking lot um, at, at, uh, out at the Cardinal Stadium waiting to go in. Um, I don't know if I wouldn't talk Cardinals necessarily. I think he kind of wrote me into that after I kind of called you out about never inviting you on your show just to talk anything, hang out, be a guest host. You know, you always ask me to come on Burns and Gamble, and I was trying to figure out why you never invited me on your own show when you have control over everything. That's a fair call out. I kind of we kind of end up producing this show ourselves. So, okay, how about this? What are you drinking? What's the drink that you got there in this photo on your Twitter account? Uh, oh yeah, that's a, a, a breakfast the buzz from uh, Delight. It's probably one of my favorite spots, healthy options over there. So I, I enjoy going over there a lot. I've never actually heard of that place. So I think I have to check it out. After yeah, this. you got to try it out. The one I went to was on Thirty Second and Indian School. Thirty Second and Indian School. Okay, I'll make my way yeah, there. Not too far from the studios. Yeah. Perfect. Can I ask you some questions about the Cardinals too, though? Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Obviously, I'm gonna be out here having my eyes on the guys as well while I'm enjoying meeting up with some of the former players. Okay, so I want to. 
start with this. Look, this independent study class things. It kept getting legs right. all week. It was supposed to be a celebratory moment for Kyler with this new contract. Yeah. But this fallout has put a lot of eggs on people's faces. So just your general takeaway from this whole storyline, which, frankly, we're hoping we're, dies after today. Right. Yeah, and, you know, uh, and I'll just, you know, from my perspective, I understand the intentions behind it, right? Because there's always been like a, you know, kind of like an undertone that there wasn't being enough done outside of of the scheduled meetings as far as in regard to Kyler and watching film, right? And so I think this the intention was, hey, we want to help you grow. We're going to tie it to your money. This is an incentive for you to do what you need to do. But that's what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, that didn't go over well. Um, I think there's probably better ways, obviously, internally to, to get it done, um, whether that's a signing or hiring or, you know, um, asking one of the QCs or the quarterback coach, hey, outside of the meetings when Kyler has time either at the facility or even at his home, however you want to work this out, mm-hmm. is to develop better study habits as far as watching film, right? Because he watches film. Right. Every day, everybody watches film. We spend a ton of time in meeting rooms watching film. The thing that separates, you know, guys like a Tom Brady or or uh, Peyton Manning, and not that he has to go this far is, is that they watch additional film to gather additional information or tidbits about what players do, maybe some telltale signs that the coaches don't go over in meetings because there's just so much information they can't give you everything that will allow those quarterbacks to take their game to another level and take advantage of guys' weaknesses or, or tails that they're giving away throughout a game. And so I think that was the intention of it. You know, you know, obviously it didn't play out well. Um, and, of course, looking at it, it, it they should have probably guessed that it wasn't going to play out well. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, obviously at this point it's water on the bridge and they just got to move forward and figure out a way. At the end of the day, he still has to watch film. You yeah, know, he 100%. still has to do whether or not you mandate it or not. He ha- You have to figure out how to create that within his development so that he can gain a little bit more and do a little bit better as the season progresses. Lorenzo Alexander, two-time Pro Bowl linebacker, former member of the Arizona Cardinals, joining us here on the 72 Sold Sports Line. I want to focus on the defense because that was your MO, and a big defensive storyline coming out of this past week was who's been wearing the green dot, who's got the microphone. Jalen Thompson's yeah. role on this defense this season, Do you th- how, how impactful will it be for him to be the green dot as opposed to someone who's in the center of the field more, like him being far back. How does that impact the defensive set? I mean, because because football plays are segmented, right, it's not like a free-flowing game. Where he lines up doesn't matter or where he ends up on the field because at times, you know, the middle linebacker could be running, sprinting down, covering somebody as well and be all the way in the back with, you know, like his cover two and he has a middle run read. And so I don't think necessarily the location where the guy matters. Okay. Maybe in a two-minute drill, but you rely on hand, on hand signals. But Jalen is obviously a smart, intelligent player. He's definitely going to be out there uh, three downs. So maybe that's part of it. Maybe they don't see Zayden as a third down linebacker quite yet in his development, right? Give him a little, let him build and gain that confidence that we heard Marcus allude to yesterday in, in his in his interview. Mm-hmm. And then also, calling plays, is, is, it's easier once you've done it, but it is a lot for a young guy, especially if you, if you are swimming in the playbook. Uh, if you add another stress point, that's just something else you got to worry about, and mm-hmm. it takes away from your technique. And so I think it could be twofold as far as just 
personnel switches. If, if Jalen's always going to be on the field and Zayvon isn't, it takes care of that. Just give him the green dot. So you don't have to worry about switching the hand signals. And then it also allows Zayvon to gather his confidence and focus on fewer things so that he can be effective. And at the end of the day, that's what you want to do. And if you have to give the green dot to a, a, a non-traditional player, you make that move, and that's what smart players or smart coaches do. So, I mean, from your perspective, because you wore the green dot for several seasons in the NFL, how difficult can it be at times to be the defensive play caller? It, 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 it's tough. Obviously, you practice every day and you get used to it and you, you understand and you have expectations of what should be called. The additional stress points is when you're tired, two-minute or a long, it's a long game. Maybe you get rocked and get hit. Maybe you're not having a great game. Maybe the community is loud in the stadium. You can't hear. Or you always have. There's always two or three D linemen. That, what is the call? What's the call? What's the call? Man, I just said the call. You know, all that stuff. And, and you have to hear them still communicate with them and see the huddle break break and know what you need to do amongst all of this chaos. And so, yeah, it seems like something somebody should be able to do, but it is hard, uh, harder than what you I think you would think, especially when, you know, it's, it's, it's chaotic, things are flying around, and you're just trying to get lined up and get guys set so you can play well as well. It's funny. Like I don't know if you heard J.J. Watt speaking this week, but he shared yeah. a similar anecdote. Like the one time that he tried to call play, it was very similar to how you describe it. Like, you do your set, you do the play, play's over, you got to rush back, you got to talk to everybody, and then there's like three or four guys that are always like, what's the play? What's the play? What's the play? Right. So it's, yeah. it's, very, it's very similar to the story you told. That was great. Lorenzo Alexander, yep. two-time Pro Bowl linebacker, former Arizona Cardinal, joining us here on Arizona Sports Saturday. Now I want to pivot to a leadership and a veteran standpoint. The return of Rodney Hudson, how key was that for the Arizona Cardinals this season? I mean, that's significant. I mean, if you know, if quarterback is number one, center is number two as far as uh, I think leadership and and continuity amongst, especially amongst the offensive line. Right? We always focus on the weapons and Hopkins and West and what are all these guys going to do on the outside and James Connor, Connor, you know, Kyler. If if the O line ain't blocking it, all that other stuff doesn't matter. <laughs> and so I think when you have a guy of Rodney's level and ability, he's able to call out things, communicate well throughout uh, a play if they give him a different look or you know who's the mic who we think is blitzing being able to make calls and shifts to slide to, to slide the line the right way all those things matter uh, when you have an execution of a play and that's even before the ball is snapped and then after that having the ability to go to the sideline talk to coaches talk to players kind of be that middleman in a sense to get everybody on the same page when you have to make uh, uh, pivots and transitions um, and adjust in the game. Uh, so he is a significant because obviously he's played a significant amount of time. I think it was 11th or 12th year. Mm-hmm. And you just don't have veterans that are of high character like he is and as well as a good football player and communicator like he is as well. And, and obviously they able to block at a high level too, being one of the best in the game. And so it takes a lot of pressure off of Kyler having to do all those IDs. Um, much like, you know, Zayvon calling the plays. If you have a, somebody else taking another stress point off of you, that's one less thing that have, that you have to process in your mind that allows you to do other things at a higher rep and, you know, more efficient. 100%. So, this was great. I, I promise I'm going to bring you on more often now that we're in, getting into Cardinal season, okay? All right. It sounds good. You know, and I'm not just a football player. I, you know, I can talk at all. You know, hey, I'll so bring you on when we talk about Pac-12 season. next week, too. How's that sound? <laughs> all right. That's sinking shit. Thank you, Zoe. All right. That was Lorenzo Alexander. 
two-time Pro Bowl linebacker, former Arizona Cardinal, joining us here on the 72 Sold Sports Line. Unintended, he called me out on Twitter and said, put me on. Yeah. That was great. Did you enjoy that, Zach? I enjoyed it. I, I, and I, I think he's... One of the best players, especially from the 2000, I would say the 2012-2014 kind of era where he really stood out on the middle linebacker position. And we really haven't had a guy like him at that position. I mean, Jordan Hicks was really good, but we just haven't had that kind of talent and leadership at the middle linebacker position. Hopefully, Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons will step up this season. Coming up next, we're going to stay on the Arizona Cardinals as they get ready for another day of training camp. What's the mood been like with the team? A lot of headlines catching wind this week. Check in with ArizonaSports.com's Kevin Zimmerman next on Arizona Sports Saturday.